talking about Musicology, the opening and title track from Musicology, recorded 2003 at Paisley Park and released on the 27th of March 2004 as a free concert giveaway, um, and then released as a download two days later, uh, released in the UK on the 19th of April 2004 on CD, and then the following day in America on CD. Uh, originally, the, the first time Prince performed this was October 2003, so I'm guessing that's roughly around the time that he'd recorded this uh, this particular track. As with most, most albums from the 2000s, recording details are vague. On the track, it is just Prince by himself, uh, and the track is 4 minutes 23. Joining me to talk about today is Martin Sand. Hello, Martin. Hi. This album, it has, it has a legacy of sorts. Uh, when Prince decided to start giving it away on his very successful tour in 2004, he had a, a huge tour. The, the concert giveaway worked. Uh, I do know some people who they saw Prince multiple times that year. They've got literally stacks of copies of Musicology <laughs> on CD. It worked as a tactic because uh, up until this point, nobody has thought about just giving albums away with tickets to concerts. Uh, Prince thought of this idea and, you know... When he said to Billboard, I have sold, you know, a quarter of a million copies of this album, Billboard said, you haven't, you've given them away for free. And then Prince said, well, actually, everyone's had to pay for a ticket, therefore they have paid for these albums. And there was nothing that Billboard could do. And so Prince, for the first time in years, had an album that effectively was a number one album. Um, you know, it's it's sold worldwide. Uh, you know, as the tour went around the world, um, you know, I think it actually peaked on the Billboard charts at number three, but it was there for 26 weeks. It got to number three on the Billboard Top 100 and it was there for 38 weeks. Um, you know, in pretty much every country where Prince toured, it managed to, you know, chart really well. It was his most it was his best performing album in about a decade. Uh, over here, I know that it, it got to number three. Uh, it was only in the charts for about six weeks. At this particular point, Billboard decided that they would bring in a rule, uh, which meant that uh, if you gave away your albums, you could no longer qualify to be on the Billboard charts. With this caveat, uh, when people buy tickets, and this this actually happens today, um, if you're buying a, a ticket for a, an artist and they give you an album, the artist has to choose. Does the price of the ticket count towards the concert or does it count towards the price of the album? <laughs> and if they choose to count it towards the price of the album, then Billboard will count those as sales. If they choose to count it towards the price of the, you know, the actual concert going ticket, then, you know, it won't count as a sale. And there, there's also a limit on the amount of times people can buy tickets and count as a sale. So it, once people start buying five, six, seven tickets, only the first one can be counted as a sale for the album. And it's just insane to think that Prince 
basically forced Billboard to change this rule <laughs> and kind of be like, you can't just give your album away and, and get to the top of the charts. Which, I've got to be honest with you, I don't know why it never occurred to anybody else before this point to just be like, I'm going on tour, I'm just going to give everybody a copy of the album, and all of a sudden I'm at the top of the charts again. Like, it, yeah, and it's, frankly, it's such a great move. Frankly, it's a lot less... Um, a lot less shall we say underhanded um than a lot of the tactics um other artists and you know promoters used to um boost their numbers on the charts yeah i mean at the end of the day how real are those those numbers on the charts you know there's a case there's a case to be made that you know the way that albums are counted is mostly bogus anyway um, you know when Prince uh, gave when he sold Emancipation, each one of those albums counted as three sales because it was a triple album, <laughs> and so within like the first week or so, even though the album hadn't sold a huge amount of copies, it was really successful on the charts because every single set of that album counted as three sales, and the same thing was true with Crystal Ball as well. When that finally shipped to stores, it was counted as three sales per album. You know, and that's that's why a lot of the best-selling albums of all time are double albums because they were counted as two albums <laughs> instead of one. You know, the best-selling Beatles album is the White Album because it's the Beatles' only double album. You know, like yeah. its sales are automatically ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, and I guess at the time you could argue, you know, when vinyl came around almost fifty years ago, where people were doing double albums, the cost of the album was literally twice as much as buying a single album. So if you're if you're trying to get like a measure of how much people are spending on albums of that particular band, then you know, counting each twice does actually reflect that. Um, but you know, as as stuff got cheaper and as you know more music got crammed onto CDs, it seems unfair to kind of you know count stuff twice uh, in particular sign of the times is an album that could fit on one album if you just lost maybe two of the shorter tracks you know but it stays on two discs and it counts as two sales yeah so prince just being like you know everyone who sees me in concert is getting an album <laughs> and those are all counting towards my sales such a great move that i don't know why nobody thought of it before that year but then obviously you know various chart rules were then brought in and this meant that Prince, you know, he's the only artist who's who could, it doesn't matter, you know, musicology for a couple of years after that when Prince was still touring and still giving it away, those all had to count because he <laughs> came up with that before Billboard came up with a rule change. Yeah. So I, I, lo I love that he, he managed to invent it and then they've made a rule and then he basically still got to use, you know, exploit it. Yeah, upon reflection, he, uh, like really missed a chance to make it a quadruple album yeah he yeah i guess i mean i i don't know like he'd already done that a couple of years earlier with with crystal ball yeah. and the truth hadn't he so you know i i, I don't know how much music prince <clears throat> had him had in him at this particular point uh, but yeah it's worth saying that this is this is prince essentially kind of going back into the mainstream you know, he'd spent, I don't know, a few years before this kind of wandering around, trying different things, just releasing stuff on download only, you know, kind of basically, um, let's say going down a couple of dead ends, you know, some interesting kind of experimentation, but nothing that was ever going to really put him back on the maps commercially. And with with his induction into the Hall of Fame, which came two weeks before he started this tour and before before he started to give away albums and put himself back in the charts. Um, I feel like that was probably the turning point, you know? Yeah. Uh, everyone remembers the performance with, uh, you know, Danny Harrison and 
two sevenths of the Travering Wilburys. I, I don't know how many members were in that particular band. Um, you know, with Jeff Lynne and uh, and with uh, I think I don't know Steve Winwood. I'm trying to remember who else is in that band. But you know, Prince kind of did a guitar solo at the end of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, threw his guitar into the end into the air, walked off stage. Um, you know, shocking Danny Harrison. Who, if you watch, if you watch Danny Harrison's face throughout that entire performance, he looks like he looks like George Harrison, age twenty, for a start. Um, so it is kind of spooky. But also, he seems perpetually amused by everything that Prince is doing. Um, so when Prince starts kind of leaning backwards and he gets caught by one of his own bodyguards and, you know, the throne of the guitar and, you know, the kind of interaction between Prince and the rest of the band as he just keeps doing this, like, this really long solo. Danny Harrison seems delighted and pleased for the entire run of it. And it's just, a, if you just watch, I mean, it's obviously, it's you, you can't help but watch Prince, but just watch Danny Harrison, like, smiling from ear to ear for, like, four minutes as Prince does that solo. Um, so I feel like that kind of cemented Prince's reputation. He was also the one chose to open up the show as well, um, which was later broadcast on VH1. Um, so he did like a, I don't know, it's like seven minutes, like kind of opening greatest hits medley, um, which included, you know, uh, Let's Go Crazy and uh, Sign of the Times. And, you know, he basically it, it kind of showcased his band at the time, which oddly are completely absent from this particular track. <laughs> um, the band that Prince had been touring with, you know, they don't appear on this track. It's just Prince by himself, um, you know, which is which is kind of interesting because, you know, when you see the video and you see the band performing in that, it kind of and when you hear them, you know, there was a few, quite a few TV appearances that Prince did to promote this album as well. Um, when you see them, they are a really tight band and they do kind of perform this song really well. Prince clearly had some kind of business plan because he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Then he started his tour, giving away albums. And then by the end of the year, he had the most profitable tour of the year. And also, you know, he had his most successful album in, uh, you know, in, in probably about a decade. Um, yeah. And I think that this is like a really great like opening track, like as well as a great title track. Um, you know, and when Prince combines the two, they tend to, you know, really work out well. The whole album also really, really feels like um, something that's very consciously um, supposed to be a comeback uh, album. And a comeback album that, and you know, a kind of a, a grab for the mainstream that works a lot better than Rave until the Joy Fantastic did. <laughs> you know, where that felt kind of too calculating this feels like prince i mean you know we'll talk about it when we get into the lyrics but this is prince kind of acknowledging his roots kind of acknowledging some of his influences and also kind of you know trying to make something very commercial and you know very radio friendly um you know i mean there's a certain kind of amount of irony that you know prince has like a, like within this song he has like the, the kind of spoken thing where he says you know don't you ever touch my record player <laughs> like and it's like in 2004 who had a record player nobody <laughs> like you know record players wouldn't make a come like a big comeback for another few years after this but like it just calls back to kind of Prince's childhood, you know, like, and the video that goes with musicology kind of does that as well. Yeah, that's that's where, pretty much what that's supposed to do. Like, uh, yeah, and I think most people read it like that. I mean, it helps um, that the video also, you know, plays this out, like um, the big brother coming in, hey, don't you touch my records. Um, yeah. These are my records. And it's like this, um, you know, sort of 60s-ish sort of timeless um, children's room or 
playroom or whatever. And you also have, you know, a, a piece of kind of, uh, you know, prince mythology, which I'm not sure 100% how true it is, but the story of when he was younger, you know, his dad took him to a James Brown concert and Prince was on stage with James Brown when he was like, you know, four or five years old. <laughs> and I think the story in this video kind of calls back to that a little bit, where you have this young boy who obviously is, you know, listening to the, the Prince song and he's, you know, singing and dancing, um, you know, miming along to Prince. And then later on in the video, he goes to the Prince concert and he kind of gets to be, you know, a part of that concert in the same way that Prince kind of had been, um, you know, at the James Brown concert. Whether or not that story is fully true, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, who knows? You know, but I guess kind of if there was often ever... Often repeated. If there was ever a four-year-old on stage with James Brown, it would have been Prince. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Um, so, you know, the video itself was kind of uh, shot in October 2003. Um, so by the time it actually got released in kind of early 2004, it was essentially, as as is with everything that Prince does, it was kind of six months old. Um, so, so, you know, it took a while before it kind of got out. But like the idea of Prince going to the trouble of like making a video and like kind of being very kind of conscious of, um, in this particular case, it feels like he was obviously angling for something on MTV. You know, it did get nominated for Best Male Video at the 2004 MTV Video Music Awards. It kind of established him back in the mainstream. And I would say that from that point until his death, you know, he was seen as someone who had, you know, a reputation, you know, like just kind of coming out there and just doing a guitar solo for like four minutes on someone else's song, on a Beatles song nonetheless as well. Yeah. Like not just a George Harrison song, but a Beatles song, you know, like being able to kind of do that. And then, you know, the amount of admiration that was shown at, the, at that Hall of Fame ceremony and and then kind of just coming out and just being financially successful, you know, like and getting nominated for various things throughout the year. It just feels like Prince was like, I don't know, maybe tired a little bit of kind of just releasing stuff for the MPG Music Club and no one else. You know, it just feels like maybe maybe it took him a couple of years to kind of get over his second divorce. This is the point at which he it feels like he's kind of going back out there and being like, you know, don't forget who I am. You know, I am Prince, <laughs> you know. As the song says, yeah. he's funky. And this this track was released as a single uh, on the twenty second of April two thousand four in the US and the third of May uh, two thousand four in Europe. Uh, it was not successful. <laughs> uh, it was fairly successful in Europe. You know, it charted on pretty much every single kind of uh, notable chart there. It charted in Australia and New Zealand, uh, but in America, it only managed to get to forty four on the you know the Billboard Hot you know hip hop singles. Uh, which I, it doesn't really feel like it's a hip hop song, but I guess that's the only specialty chart that really fit, um, and it didn't get into the top one hundred on the on the on the Billboard Hot one hundred. So, you know, I, I guess kind of sort of a success. Um, you know, it didn't chart over here either. So, uh, but you know, Prince had already succeeded. You know, like as most artists these days know, touring is the thing that makes you money like yeah singles don't make you money albums make you a little bit of money but if you're gonna make money you make it from the tour and i feel like yeah. everything else that prince did around musicology was to show off the tour you know he did a, a, so many kind of tv appearances um you know starting with um you know like uh in the february he did like an appearance on jay leno and then throughout the rest of the year he kept doing tv appearances on different events and you know just kind of like different award shows and you know just be basically being part of the mainstream kind of you know uh, re-establishing yeah. himself and the song wasn't massive but it sort of did what it was supposed to do which was um you know just um getting prince 
mainstream attention again and um he uh he did get it yeah. um like this is really the start as you've said of um the uh prince resurgence um of the uh you know tragically last decade and change of his life and of course you know uh... A f like a, f a few months after this, you know, well, I don't even think a few months, but a few weeks after this came out, um, Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse were also released in 2004. So Prince, of course, released three albums in one year, um, you know, and from that point on, then like the I think the, the kind of the release strategies of his albums then also started to make as much, you know, noise as the actual albums. Um, so, you know, Chocolate Invasion and you know slaughterhouse were were obviously uh, compilations um of you know like digital albums and then you also had you know 3121 where people kind of wondered what those numbers meant uh, then planet earth was given away in magazines and you know lotus flower was part of a triple album set <laughs> all released on the same day so from this point on every every release that prince did like it was talked about because it wasn't just a new Prince album, but his release strategies became part of, you know, the entire thing. It's like, Oh, he's giving away albums with newspapers. Like that again, you know, billboard had to start writing rules to kind of stop people from, <laughs> from kind of giving albums away that way. So like, it's at this point, it's like, it almost feels like Prince, it, as well as being like a musical icon, he then also became a very sensible businessman who was like, if I want to sustain Paisley Park and the lifestyle I've become, you know, accustomed to, I'm going to have to, well, tour more regularly. From this point on, he pretty much toured kind of like every other year for the rest of his life. And also, he's going to have to make sure that each release gets, you know, press. Like, it, you can't just release albums digitally and give in and kind of just have a small group of people listen to them. They need to get the mainstream press to keep you kind of, you know, relevant. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's that's kind of what Prince did uh, more successfully than EMI did with Emancipation, or you know Arista did with Raven to the Joy Fantastic. You know they put it. Prince kind of put his own destiny back in his hands, and you know Musicology was the album that kind of started his you know his kind of third act. Um, and you know the song itself, I think, is you know like I said, a great opener. Um, you know it ha it has a very specific kind of like. Um, sound Prince kind of name drops, uh, you know, kind of uh, James Brown, and it does have that kind of James Brown feel. Um, you yeah. Know, even though it is just kind of Prince, you have this like, I mean, the bass is like is is great. Um, you know, you've got this very kind of specific guitar sound that Prince is using. You know, the production of the album is also, you know, it's probably one of the best produced Prince albums in a while, and. You know, it it just sounds like a, like a really great album. Not just musically, but like the whole production of it is just is kind of on point. And Prince's vocals are kind of I don't know with Musicology. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the title track you have this this weird thing where his vocals are almost very kind of like gentle. Um, like they're not quite falsetto, but at the same time they're not they're not as like in the like at the front of the mix as Prince normally is. So like they're a little bit more kind of in the background, which is kind of odd. Um, you know, it's not something that Prince has done very often. Um, but, you know, Prince tells a story where he says, you know, heard about a party now, just east of Harlem. Dougie's going to be there, but you got to call him. Call him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and this kind of like even the soldiers I need I believe a break. this is what we call a slant rhyme. 
Yes. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do love the emphasis, though, on the kind of like the gap and the kind of like call him. Cause it, because I'm sure people are like, well, Harlem, call him. That doesn't make it. Yeah, what rhymes with Harlem? Yeah. Uh, call him. Okay. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Uh, even the soldiers need a break sometimes. Listen to the groove, you'll let, let it unwind your mind. And I think that's the, like that is something that is kind of prominent on this album. Is there's a lot of kind of grooves that Prince is kind of putting out here. Um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, he says no intoxication unless you see what I see, dancing hot and sweaty right in front of me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. again, like Prince has been not very raunchy for the last kind of half a decade. So. You get a you get a little bit more of the kind of um, you know Prince not being kind of kind of outright bored or anything, but just a little more of a hint that you know he's single again, um, and and he's he's not afraid to kind of uh, you know indulge a little bit, um, and and then we get the chorus, which is call it what you like. I'm gonna call it how it be. This is just another one of God's gifts, musicology. Um, now musicology is a real word. <laughs> it is a thing. It is. Yeah. It like it at first you think maybe Prince has made this word up, but uh, you know it is it is a certain study of music, and that is in the um, you know the, uh, the 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 sleeve notes for the album. Prince has kind of like a definition of what musicology is, um, you know, and I guess Prince is is positing that he is a musicologist, um, and you know I guess that also kind of makes sense given that this is one you know this is kind of Prince almost acknowledging his influences and kind of his back catalogue. For the first time in, you know, quite a few years, he's been very reluctant. He, he, can, he can just go over. You can, you can get um, a degree in musicology at the um, Minnesota State University with a specialization in um, advanced body moving. <laughs> yes well and again we get we get something that prince has kind of said before where he says keep the party moving just like i told you kick the old school joint for the true funk soldiers now he's used the phrase true funk soldiers before um so it, you know again it's it's like him acknowledging his past which after he had a bit of a fight with warner brothers he was very reluctant to do just because it gave them money and so and so he wanted to kind of pretend that he'd recorded nothing before 1995 now he's almost willing to kind of acknowledge that his back catalog exists um and yeah. you know i feel like the the musicology tour really sold well because it was pretty much 50 50 musicology and greatest hits uh, something obviously prince had kind of been reluctant to do but also you know he just didn't want to turn into a nostalgia act and then of course he <laughs> prince can't help but you know um become a internet meme where he says wish i had a dollar for every time you say don't you miss the feeling music gave you back in the day now i personally can see those words next to i don't know a minion you know maybe something like that being shared by someone <laughs> on the internet um you know like it is this kind of like this kind of i mean he doesn't say nostalgia at any point during this song but that that is the strong feeling that he's over this and particularly obviously is evident in the 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 video as well it's like it's like pluggers wish they had a dollar for every time they say uh and so on (laughs) yeah um but i mean i'm going to be disappointed if by the time this episode comes out someone hasn't put those words over a minion's meme Um, you know (laughs) Uh, yeah, and then he basically just lists people that he likes, where he says, let's groove September, Earth, Wind and Fire, Hot Pants by James, Sly's going to take you higher. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's weird that he, I mean, I, I mean, September, obviously, 
it's a great song by Earth, Wind and Fire, but I don't know, maybe it's just their most commercial song. But I feel like they've done better songs in September, but I guess that's he's going to go with oh, that. Oh, definitely. You know, he's going to go but with it that. But also, it's also a song that goes, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so again, yeah, I get maybe that's why he's tying it in. It, it is a little bit nostalgic itself. Yeah. Even if it's only nostalgic about one very specific day in September. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he says, minor keys and drugs don't make a roller skate jam. Take your pick, turntable or a band. So, I mean, I guess maybe that was the question that was being asked at his second wedding. You know, turntable or a band? I think if you're Prince, pretty much always a band. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see him being a, a turntable at a wedding type guy. Um, you know. Uh, and then, of course, he says, if it ain't Chuck D or Jam Master J, know what? They're losing. Because we got a PhD in advanced body moving. Uh, and then, of course, he says, just keep the party moving. Just like I told you. Kick the old school yeah. joint for the true funk soldiers uh, and he finishes singing musicology which of course is my favorite way for any song to finish is with the title um and I, it's worth saying as well that when he kind of comes in for the chorus with the keep the party moving he does actually have the whole keep the party keep the party moving scratched as if it were in a rap song so you know he's not just mentioning chick d or gem master j he's you know he's actually using what they would do as part of the song uh, which you know works really well um, and also he has this kind of organ that keeps coming in, which I think it sounds a little bit like a Fender Rhodes, but I don't think it is. Um, when when the chorus comes in, so you just have this chord played on the on, on the organ, which is something which I don't think Prince has done before. You know, he's had kind of, you know, very electronic keyboards and stuff like that mm. and, and pianos, but it's very... Yeah, rare. I think it's almost a rule of thumb if something uh, sounds like you think a Rhodes uh, sounds, it's definitely not a Rhodes yeah <laughs> um but yeah i like that touch in the chorus though the kind of this this one chord that kind of holds underneath the the whole chorus um and then you also have what i guess would be horns but it isn't horns it's clearly keyboard horns but i don't mind because yeah. you know it's just prince by himself um you know and on for the performances that he did it, it was always live horns anyway but they would just play what prince had played on the keyboard uh, which again kind of calls back to early Prince, you know, a lot of stuff that he did on keyboards once he got horns was played by horns. Um, yeah, and there is, there, like you say, there is a Prince kind of, you know, radio station um, that plays "If I Was Your Girlfriend," "17 Days," "Kiss," "Sign of the Times," and a little red Corvette. Um, you know, so again, him kind of acknowledging his past in a way that he kind of had been very reluctant to do um <laughs> in previous years because he didn't want to give warner brothers money um, but yeah this is also this is also one of the things that makes this sound like a definite comeback attempt like um you know planting the idea musically uh hi i'm prince remember me <laughs> prince yeah. <laughs> yeah for those who for those who hadn't paid attention to him kind of changed his name and then changed his name back this is the point where it's like oh yeah prince the guy who yeah. sold 30 million records in the 80s you know like the guy who had you know a hip film and then a couple of <clears> other films that people prefer not to talk about but yeah i don't know like obviously uh, it feels like it should go without saying five out of five you know it's a it's a great opening to what is you know probably one of the best prince albums of the 2000s i would say um, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, uh, it's just it's just kind of Prince just deciding. I, I I mean I don't know how much kind of conscious thought was put into it because I I don't think that Prince ever really kind of 
maybe had these plans this cynically, but it just feels like Prince being like, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna they they they're putting me into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They clearly think I'm some kind of legend. I've got to I've got to do something that kind of matches that. Um, so you know, in two thousand three, when you know, obviously it would have been made public that they were going to induct him. It kind of feels like Prince is like, I've got to go into the studio and record an album that will be a hit. And you know, this is just a great kind of start to that album. Uh, and you know, I I think like from this point on, the albums that follow. Um, and when I say albums, I I mean you know more than just collections of MP3s, which the next two albums are. But like the albums where Prince had very firm ideas, I, I feel like you know they they really worked. Uh, you know, uh, and stuff stuff like you know MPLS Sound, where he just decided he was going to make an album that sounded like it was in the eighties, and you know, like <laughs> I, I, I think I think particularly the two albums that he gave away, both twenty ten and Planet Earth, they both have very like it's very clear. Prince went into the studio and recorded a set of songs that were meant to be listened to, you know, as a whole, and I think that really works here with musicology as well. You know, from start to finish, you know, this is just an album of really great songs. But I also tend to think that those two things are that those two things relate to each other like uh he did um he did two or three jazz albums or four or five if you count the live recordings um uh, where he just did what he felt like just uh you know playing some jazz jamming with the band and whatever and then he was ready to like go out and record this um really tight album for his um big uh rock star comeback it's 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 never quite clear what um factors go into what singles become hits or not uh i feel like this could have been a hit um one thing i've been thinking as i've been re-listening to this song uh today a couple of times is um this is prince's uptown funk like yeah. this is conceptually and uh, in terms of sound really really like uptown funk 10 years before uptown funk and i think the thing is as well bruno mars there was rumors that he might be in a, a biopic playing prince um which i'm just like don't do that let's let's not do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not do that i mean unless like it's like a two-hour film and like an hour and 15 minutes of it is just Bruno Mars pretending to be Prince in Under the Cherry Moon, then I would go and watch that film. Uh, but I don't uh. think anyone's gonna, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do that. And then the remaining like forty-five minutes is just behind the scenes of Graffiti Bridge. That would be a great. Film. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could like um, plan to uh, make a movie about Prince, and um, uh, you know, they could. Um, um, Sasha Baron Cohen could sign on to play him and. Um, <laughs> Then he'd drop out because the film, um, because the script is garbage. And uh, then like Rami Malek plays him and um, the film is sort of garbage, but also not terrible. And it sort of comes and goes and uh, no harm done. Oh, I think that film's going to be sticking around for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like we said about as much as we can about musicology, the song, not the study. Uh, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Martin? I would like to plug um, getting an education, maybe an advanced body moving, but really anything you like. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, don't know why you would, at Prince Track by Track at gmail.com. Don't. Thanks. 
Thanks. Don't say it. Don't say the address. People don't need to email you. Thanks for both for being my guest here, Martin. Thanks for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Just watch all, all the cars go by.